Welcome to the podcast, the special event studio, COVID Conversations. My name is Scott North. I am the sales manager for TO Live. TO Live manages the three City of Toronto theatres, Meridian Hall in the St. Lawrence Centre downtown and Meridian Arts Centre uptown. My responsibility is to get private, non-ticketed special events into all three venues. We were about to launch the special event studio podcast when COVID-19 hit. Because we are now living in a different world, we want to get some perspective from my colleagues in the event industry and how they are managing. Welcome to the podcast, the special event studio, COVID Conversations. Will Cook, how are you doing today? Hanging in there as always, Scott. Every week we... we... Well, we t- typically record one of these podcasts every week, and uh, Will, you're hanging in there every week, so glad to know that. Yeah. A <laughs> um, little, you know, little concern in the uptick of uh, these cases that we're, we're kind of, is this, is this considered a second wave yet? Uh, if if people don't consider it a second wave, I think they're uh, sorely mistaken, unless people expect the numbers to get even higher, but um, yeah, we're, we're in it now, I think. It's here. <laughs> Treat it like it's here, at least. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and um, people, there are people that take this, as far as the seriousness of it, it, it there's there's a wide spectrum of what, how people treat it. Yeah. Um, I, I was at a golf tournament yesterday, and I will not, I will not mention the, the golf course, uh, because frankly, you know, you know, the conversations that we've had with Chef Bruce and about food service they were not following food service is now supposed to, everything is supposed to be served to you separately, separately packaged. Um, we got together after the golf tournament yesterday. So I think that it's still 50 people. So we were okay with that, but the food service was not served in the way that chef Bruce described that it should be. So I, I just, I think that there's a, you know, different people are taking this in different ways and, and following the protocols or not following the protocols. Yeah. What's your experience been? Um, I and I think I'm I'm hearing a lot more that it's it's now younger people that are getting sick, and yeah. I, I've heard the horror stories of Western and Laurier, where I think both of those universities now have confirmed outbreaks of COVID nineteen, and it's you know young people partying and stuff, and uh, the numbers of the positivity numbers have increased, but the number of people in hospital and the number of people, you know, in intensive care have, have stayed the same as they were back when we were getting 80 cases a day or whatever. So, you know, it's young people getting young people getting sick and people that aren't, you know, aren't at risk of, 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 you know, getting too ill. But the, the real concern is those people spreading it. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I, I have a buddy who's in the, in the health industry and that's what he does. He has said that on more than one occasion that that's the numbers you really want to look for is the hospitalizations and the IC people in the ICU. Yeah. Cause the greatest concern is overloading these hospitals and, you know, flu season is around the corner and um, there's a lot of thought that maybe that won't be as bad because we are wearing masks now and we're not seeing each other. Like people won't get colds yeah. or the flu. Like that's, that's a positive outlook at things because we've adopted these new measures and maybe that'll remain the same. But, um, you know, from, from my perspective, uh, I, it's hard to say, cause I'm not the standard. I don't think I'm acting like a standard young person in this case. Cause you know, it's my demographic that are driving the, the, the cases up, but I, I haven't like, I I've saw my friends once last weekend and that was the first time I saw anyone like more than one-on-one. So, 
um, and that was only eight people. And and half of those people had to get tested anyways because they're going back to to work, you know, their teachers or whatever. So, uh, like, <laughs> so so your social bubble is at eight right now. So you're doing pretty well. Yeah, and I I've stopped. So my parents have have you know noticed the uptick too, and I'm I'm keeping my distance from them. Um, you know they they both, um, they're 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 well enough, but again, I'm not going to take any risks. So. Um, I'm keeping my distance from them for two weeks after last weekend because you know I saw a bunch of people, but uh, it's 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 hard hard hard. It's a hard position to be in, uh, especially when you know it's it's you know people my age that are driving these numbers up, and we're supposed to be like the you know the conscious generation, and and we're not the ones denying it or anything. So um, you know it's difficult to see that, but. Uh, what can what can I do to stop other people well, from that's <laughs> partying? Well, I, I think what, what you can do is what you're doing, Will, and congrats to you and 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 good on you for for following the protocol because that's what we need that to to, to make this happen. Right. So, so way to go, Will. Thanks, and, Scott. Uh, on that note, we'll we'll jump into it. Our next guest to the podcast is the vice president at the Hockey Hall of Fame. He's also the National Hockey League's keeper of the Stanley Cup. Phil Pritchard, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Scott. Always good to talk to you. How's everything? Every, every, well, it's, things are different, Phil. That's for sure. Um, I, I, I must say that uh, I am um, I'm pumped up to have you on this podcast uh, under the circumstances. Uh, how's everything with you? I'm doing great. I'm out here in the NHL hub city in Edmonton. Uh, we're into the Stanley Cup final now, and... Life's pretty different out here in the uh, in the so-called bubble compared to what it would be in southern Ontario at this time of the year. So it's it's unique, but hey, I'm safe, I'm healthy, the family's good, so that's what counts. Great, awesome, and, and we'll get into that. And and uh, Phil's job at the Hockey Hall of Fame as vice president. Another time, we'll get you on the on the podcast and talk about that. We actually talked to Aaron Stocko a couple of weeks ago, so we got the kind of the rundown on special events at the hall and how that's been affected. But for the purposes of the podcast today, as I said, I, I'm very excited to have you on. Um, you're you're out there in Edmonton with the Stanley Cup, but can you can you tell us a little bit first, like Phil's uh, travel schedule and whatnot in regular times is is crazy. So, so Phil, back in March, um, h- how did this affect you as, as it pertains to the cup? Were you, were you doing your regular traveling and then, and then how, how did everything shut down? Yeah, my last trip actually, Scott, was the first week of March. Uh, I was in Pennsylvania and New York and I came home and I was scheduled to go to North Vancouver on the 13th of March for uh, one of the hometown hockey events the NHL puts on each year with their partners. And obviously, as we know, the 11th, 12th, 13th were really critical days in our world as a lot of things started to shut down. Uh, First, the event got canceled, then the flights got canceled. So that made it pretty easy for my decision what was going to happen. But for us, uh, that was kind of the end of travel on, on March 13th. And it was Friday the 13th, which was unlucky to begin with, I guess. But that kind of shut down my travel till I did not travel again. I traveled once in August for one day and then I flew to Edmonton on Labor Day. So a normal year for me or a traditional year, I'd be on the road about close to 180 days a year. This year I was at home for almost six months. So 
that changed everything, not only from a, a work perspective, from a personal life perspective as well. And I mean, it, as we know, the whole world changed because of it and that, and a lot of things have come out of it. And it's now, a, it's going to be a unique kind of fall for, for me, I guess. For sure. Now, so since, since March, all, nearly six months, you're not traveling. So are, are you going into downtown Toronto to, to, to the Hall of Fame to work? or Actually, or? I went into our archives, which is at uh, the bottom of Kipling there by the Ford okay. Performance Center. So I went in there regularly, weekly, actually. I didn't go every day uh, because where we are is a, a public facility run by the city of Toronto. Officially, the plate, the building was closed. We do have a side entrance, so we could see uh, and we could go in. The The reason we went in is because we are in archives and we're climate controlled and humidity controlled and everything, we were double checking on that because okay. if the power went out or anything, it would affect, like in any museum, whether it's the ROM or whatever, it would affect the artifacts that we are preserving. So I went in on a regular basis that way. And then we started back up full time uh, in early July. Okay, so at that time you were going, you were going in five days a week again. Uh, beginning of July, I was yes. So you had like four months home. Correct. Yeah, Just at home. I, I was doing Zoom, and I, I actually in my backyard we have a gazebo, and on March fifteenth or sixteenth, I guess I moved my laptop outside, my phone, and I made my office outside. So what started out, because I had seven people at home at that time, uh, my family, you know, girlfriends, granddaughters, all sorts of things. So <laughs> it's to stay away from everything. I, I moved my office outside and in mid-March, it was had a toucan and a coat and, you know, gloves. And no, by June, no. it was, yeah, so by June. You didn't have a toque and gloves on. You had shorts and a t-shirt on. Who are you kidding? Yeah. Okay. Well, it, it's for the public. They have to think that I'm. Yeah. Normal. Yeah. Anybody <laughs> knows Phil. He 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 doesn't uh, need a lot of clothing for warmth purposes. But but Phil, taking the taking the good out of it, the positive out of it. So you're home all that time. I know you you got a a fairly young, a new granddaughter. Uh, so it must have been good to be home and not have to travel like you do extensively, like you've done for the past. 32 years, is it? Yeah, and you're right, it was. And and I got to admit, for, for Diane and I, who our life has been her life, my life, and our life. So it's she's very independent, and, and so am I. And when we're together, we're together. It was it was a big shock to our system. I mean, it, it all worked well, and it, it worked out better, I think. But going into it in late March, and we didn't know an outcome at the time, but it was like, Wow, I'm going to be with Diane every day. And Diane's probably saying oh, she's going to be with me every day. We've never really done this before this often. Usually there's a break in there, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. There was a break in there, and we we could do our own thing. Now we were always doing everything together. But you know what? To, uh, to help out with the cooking and the cleaning and running the house and that on a daily basis, it, it was okay. It was, uh, as you said, it was a positive thing out of it. But more importantly, everyone in, in my family was safe and healthy, and we got a lot to spend a lot of time together. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And there there is a positive side to that. And hope, you know, hopefully we take more positive out of this, or the most positive out of this if possible, being these these unprecedented times. So okay, fa fast forward, you said Labor Day, you you went out to Edmonton? 
Correct. Yeah. So I flew out to Edmonton and it, it's funny because where, where our office was on Kipling, we were semi in the bubble because that's where the teams practiced at. We were on the second floor, so we could enter on the second floor. We could not go down to the first floor at all. Uh, we had our own bathroom that we had to use, which is usually designated as a public bathroom. We used ourselves, so we couldn't use the first floor bathroom. We couldn't go to the rinks. We couldn't go to the main office to get mail and that because they were full bubble and we were just semi-bubble. So although we had kind of the feel of the bubble, it wasn't until I actually landed at Edmonton and came into this hub city here in Edmonton that I got 100% accustomized to it. And, you know, I mean, a frequent traveler like I am and on the airlines a lot, going to the airport for the first time and going through TSA and everything, that was that was different. It, it is, for those that have haven't traveled yet, it's a different experience now. Okay, so and, what did you do? Well, the, the check-in part is was fine. I mean, everything was fine that way. And I'm ha- I have the Stanley Cup, so I, I, we have to get there early anyway because there's procedures we always have to do anyway. But after you get checked in and you get your bags with the proper people in, before you go to TSA, you have to have your photo taken by authority agents there because they need to know every person that was on that flight in case there is an outbreak that happened and someone on the flight would have it, they would be able to reach out to everybody. So that yeah. was, that's a great thing, I think. And I, it probably is going to remain part of the procedure going through, going forward. As you go through TSA, obviously. Hey, what's, the, what's TSA? That's the, uh, to the security system. So you're making sure you have no steel, you have no food above, you know, no water above 100 milliliters and all of that. Everyone okay. has yeah, to Everyone has to go through the TSA. It's this transit security system. Okay. And that is, it's being cleaned down by after every person goes through because of all the Ontario rules and regulations that have set forth. And again, those are, those might become part of the norm, but I I think for such a long time, we take all these things for uh, granted. And now you see how it is now. Uh, When you lined up at the, to get on the plane, Uh, and I flew Toronto Edmonton, you didn't line up in the normal line where there's everyone line up at once. They called you in groups of sixes or eights. Okay. So they spread that out as well. Uh, The flight wasn't even close to half full. Uh, Now is this, is there, is this, are are there a lot of other hockey people going out there at that time? uh, There was some people on that. They had a charter actually that went the day before, but that was only for people that were completely in the bubble. And because I was only semi in the bubble, they didn't want to take that risk okay. for me or, or the people on the charter. So I flew separately. There was other people on there. And uh, like I said, it wasn't even half full. Uh, when we arrived in Edmonton, the same things happened. They, uh, they were cleaning the belt and everything like that. Uh, I actually took a taxi from the airport to the hub city the taxi, clean the taxi beforehand. I mean, it's it's amazing as Canadians how conservative traditionally we are, but how much we are obeying these rules and regulations. And I, I think it's great personally. Uh, we arrived at the hotel, so I then I got to had to clear the bubble by security. And the first thing I had to do before I could even 
check in was get my temperature checked. And okay, that is and you're by yourself, just with the cup. No, no, none of the other trophies. No, I'm just with the cup. The other trophies I was able to put on the charter. Okay, they would uh, they went on the charter. I, yeah, I met them there. And amazingly, like I said, I mean, they test your temperature, and they every day here they have to te test your temperature every twelve hours. You have to get a COVID test every day as well. So I think I'm up in the twenties or thirties now in COVID tests, and one day it's nasal, one day it's throat test. So arguably out here, we are in the safest place in North America probably right now sure. with no, no COVID at all. With the 200 plus people that are here, I, I think we're pretty safe. When, when you went in, you, so you said Labor Day, did you have to like, you have to self quarantine or anything like that? I had to self quarantine in my hotel room for four days. Four days. Okay. So the only, the only outside, uh, person I had was the nurse or doctor would come every day and give me a COVID test and check my temperature. So they came four days. And once I was clear after that, I officially entered the bubble. And but I still have to have my temperature checked and COVID test just like the players do just like the rest of the staff do every day. And so so there nobody in that bubble. It, 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 like, has there been any scares or anything close to having somebody that's infected or? I know as of the first week of September, they were at 24,000 tests they had done and everyone was negative. Wow. That's so, which, cool. which is huge uh, for the hockey world and for everyone in it. The medical team that is in here is, is first class. What the league has done is, is unbelievable. But the medical, the doctors and nurses are around you all the time making sure. We, you have to wear a mask every, everywhere. So that, that's what I was asking, how I couldn't see you at the beginning because I didn't know I should have my mask on at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so just just to back up a little bit, can you tell us how um, you're traveling with the Stanley Cup? What's, how, what, how's the travel? How does the Stanley Cup travel? So we we flew uh, we flew Air Canada, Toronto to Edmonton. So my son dropped me off at the airport, which in normal times is is just a normal thing, but now they reduce we. Do, we reduce the amount of cars that can come up and drop people off at a certain time because they want a social distance. And, and I, I guess I can't stress this enough, Scott, of how well I think everybody has been doing, not only in Ontario, but out in Alberta and at the airports on, on obeying these rules and regulations that are set out by our government and, and everybody. Uh, as I entered the airport, they make sure that you are feeling okay. They ask you right away as soon as you walk through the doors, how do you feel? Do you have a cold? You know, anything like that. And if you say you have a cold, you, you don't go any further. They turn exactly. you around right, right on the spot, which, which is great. I mean, that, that's what you want to see in, in our country, keeping these numbers as low as we have had. Uh, that's, we all, we're all in this together and together we're going to get all through this. Sure. So checking in at the check-in line, uh, Fortunately for me, when you travel with the Stanley Cup, you don't have to go to the regular line. You have to go to the special services line. So the lineup obviously isn't as big. Uh, but again, you have to stand your social distance in a way from the counter and everything. And you're following everything. You have the mask on the whole way. I mean, I, I put the mask on. Uh, my son dropped me off, so I put a mask on as soon as I got out of the car. And I didn't take it off until 
I actually got into my hotel room. So that was probably a eight hour ordeal, maybe, maybe a bit now, longer. What, what kind of mask do you have? Does it have a logo uh, on it? Yeah, I have a, a Hockey Hall of Fame mask. I, I do have an NHL mask and I have a Stanley Cup final mask as well. And then uh, when we walk outside in the bubble, I have one of the uh, PPE blue masks that okay. uh, that everybody has. So I wear that one outside. But when I go inside, I, I switch to a different mask. So and it's it's great. I, I mean, I, I know in certain areas, if you go outside and you're away from people, you can you don't need a mask on. But here they make sure you have a mask on all the time. And, gotcha. and I think it's it's great. And and what's the you know what do you what do you carry the Stanley Cup cup in like a hockey bag or <laughs> yeah I got a I got a big case obviously for it so it's uh it's about four foot long by twenty eight by twenty eight it weighs just under ninety pounds so for the average traveler going through the airport it looks like I'm carrying musical equipment or something like that for hockey fans they they can pick the case out right away. Uh, but it's safe. It's secure. It, the cup is in my hotel room with me now, and it'll stay here until it's time to be won. Okay. Now, and, and then all the other trophies went out on that charter. So did, like now for folks out there that don't know this, I, I used to work with Phil and uh, travel with Phil and do the Stanley Cup stuff. So is it a similar way where you set up like uh, the day before game one, that kind of thing, or are, are they displayed any place? They're, they're not displayed any place anymore. So if you remember when you and I used to do it, we used to have the whole trophy presentation set up for the fans. Obviously, in this unique oh, yeah. year, there are no fans. So <laughs> okay. uh, so the, those trophies, the, the, the Clarence Campbell Bowl and the Prince of Wales trophy were both won last week, respectively, by the Dallas Stars and the Tampa Bay Lightning. So they have been won already. We're down to two trophies to be won yet. The Stanley Cup, as we've been talking about, and the Conn Smythe Trophy for the most valuable player in the playoffs. Okay. So that's all, so that's all we have to, to be done. Yeah. And uh, in a traditional year, I, I would travel with them on the plane myself. I mean, this was unique that we had a charter, so it was able to work out. Uh, and we could do some media showings and some public showings with them in that. But this year, it's just uh, me and some trophies hanging out in my hotel room. So, so for the uh, the Prince of Wales in the Campbell Bowl, did, did uh, were you there for that? I was, the- yeah, yeah. So I was part of the presentation, and Dallas was. Uh, they won first. They won the Campbell Bowl first, and then uh, last Thursday, Tampa Bay won the Prince of Wales Trophy. And so you take that trophy out onto the ice. Yeah, we took it out in the ice. They did a presentation. It was. It was. It was different. It was unique because you walked out onto the ice and there's no fans or anything like that. The, the player celebration was normal. Uh, Bill Daly, the, uh, one of the hierarchies in the National Hockey League, presented the trophy to each captain. And they had, I mean, it was all, that was all normal. But when you look up into the crowd and there's nobody there, just signage and that, it, it, it is a, a different feeling in that. Well, for sure. Yeah. Instead of having 20,000 people in the arena, there was like 200 people in the arena and they were all working or making sure the game went well. So it was unique in that, but deservedly so for both of those teams, they, they both earned those rights to win those trophies and to compete for the Stanley cup. Definitely. So now you, you, you get the trophy out there, Bill Daly presents it. Then does the team keep it? 
They keep both, both teams did keep it. Yes. But there is nowhere to go, as we know, right here. There's two hotels and arena. So they've kept them in the dressing room right now. That's that's as far as they've gone right now. Really? So there's uh yeah, there's nowhere to take. They can't take it anywhere. They there's nowhere to go. They can go back to their hotel rooms or they can go to the rink. OK, so you you get rid of some some uh, excess baggage. That's that's. Sorry to refer to it as that, but you, so you know, you no longer have that trophy. So then the game's over. What do you do then? Well, after the game was over, I went into the, uh, each dressing room respectively, uh, introduced myself, met them all. You know, we kind of talked about where we should keep the trophy and that, and whether they want to have it in the dressing room or in the coach's room or what have you. And, uh, you know, after we exchanged cards and, and discuss the procedures in that, I head back to my office area within the arena, and I, I've kept the case, actually, now. They have the trophies only, the cases I have. Okay. And then uh, back in the hotel. So I am working, uh, obviously, an employee of the Hockey Hall of Fame, so I'm doing Hall of Fame work while I'm out here. I'm doing Zoom media interviews while we're out here. We're looking after some uh, the hockey ops guys and the off-ice officials and – people like that with some photo ops uh, away from the arena in one of a, one of the hotels here of the two hotels. So we're, we're keeping busy. And then obviously there's the games. Okay. So where, where are you right now? Right now I'm in my hotel room in the uh, Delta in, uh, in Edmonton. So there's two, two host hotels in the bubble and the arena. And then there's a little walkway where you can be outside. There's two food trucks there. There's a restaurant in each hotel, and then there's one canteen opened in the arena, and uh, Wayne Gretzky's Bistro is open in the arena too after games. Cool, and and so like like you're sitting in your hotel room right now on a, on a laptop. That's that's where. Correct. That's yeah, so right I have, I'm in my hotel room. It's kind of made into a makeshift office. I got my my laptop that I can do work on. I've got my phone that I can do Zoom calls on. Uh, I've got all the paperwork I need for the the final and leading past that and and uh, that's some trophies and my clothes and me and Netflix of course Netflix Netflix is a huge thing of life now I think <laughs> now now uh, is is Craig Campbell joining you is, is... is yes he is here he's uh, in his room now I guess he just came out on uh, Saturday actually so he has to quarantine until Wednesday. Okay. Uh, I came out earlier because I was able to do both conference championships because obviously they're in the same city and, uh, but going to be on different days. So we didn't have to have two people out at that time. So Craig could remain at home and he flew out on a NHLPA charter on Saturday afternoon. Great. Well, say hi to Craig. Craig Campbell is a manager back at home at the hockey hall of fame. But uh, when it comes Stanley cup time for presentation, he goes out on the ice with Phil to do that presentation. Um, so now Phil, uh, Saturday night game one. So, so you go to the games. Yes. Yeah. Saturday night was unique, Scott, actually, because it's, uh, it's the first time in a long time that it was held in a, in a different city other than the home or away team. So yeah. we had to do something different. So for those that watch the game on Saturday, we actually walked the Stanley cup out onto a stage prior to the game, right before the, uh, the national anthem was done. And it's the first time we've done that 
And you know what? It's a unique year. It's uh, we had to do something for TV for the fans to engage them in that. And I, I thought it went really well on introducing the two teams rosters. And then we introduced the Stanley cup and it was game one and the national anthem was on and, and then the puck drop. So it was a, it was a unique, a unique setting, but I, I think it was well received. And as the players know, they, they're in the city where the cup is right now. So there's no, uh, no real hiding from it or anything. A lot of players are superstitious and don't want to see it till it's time to be won. But in this unique year that, uh, we have a hub city and everybody's playing in the same arena. It seemed like a natural thing to do. And I think it went over well. Awesome. Awesome. Now, uh, game two tonight, right? Game two is tonight. Correct. And so like, have you, have you gone through the, the what, what the steps will be or anything different for the presentation of it? Well, the presentation is going to run as normal. Uh, obviously it's going to be without fans. So, regardless of the home team wins or the away team. And they do have those teams still. Uh, tonight, I believe, it's Tampa's home game again. So they get the last change and, and all the other benefits that go with it, but they don't have the hometown fans. Uh, so the presentation will happen just like a regular year with the red carpet, everything like that. Uh, there will be some unique things that will happen there for the for television, for the fans at home as well. But the celebration on the ice will be it'll be a Stanley cup celebration. And I, I personally think one of the best things in sport. Oh, yeah. Oh, I agree with you, Phil. But okay. So Saturday night, where did you stand or sit? Uh, I sat actually, it would be in the lower level, uh, in the arena. I sat with the doctors that, uh, that are always at every game. And so I was about 10, 12 rows up. Uh, in the corner, I had a great seat. It'd be great to have that seat every every game for for any game I go to. But you know, you sit there. You again, you have your mask on. You're social distance and away from other people. So there's three or four seats between you and everything, and a couple of rows in front of you. Then then there'd be someone else and so on. Uh, but I got to watch the game from there. Oh, and and okay, social distancing and and you know. In that environment, you're seeing people that you've seen, you know, every year at different times during the year. Um, do you, with social distancing and the mask on, do you, do you converse less? Do you, do you talk to people less? Uh, I, I, I think we communicate differently. Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of people in, in my 30 plus years doing this. There's been a lot of people that you get to know and you get to see them maybe once, twice a year. So beyond the, the job part you're you're kind of friends with them and want to know about how their family is doing and how their personal life is but just like uh i guess everyone is is doing our our communication is from a distance yeah we are not sitting side by side uh we are kind of if we are sitting it's far away from one another or it's standing standing off to one another so the circle that we have has it's grown a bit just by the social distancing and grown a bit. I mean, by measurement. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Takes up more space, doesn't it? It does. Yes. And there is not a lot of space out here to, uh, to do that. So. Okay. You're sitting there and, and one of the team scores, do, do they pump sound? Like, do you hear that? Did the players hear that? 
Yeah, they hear that. Everything that you hear on TV is, is what we hear as well. So on Saturday night, it was a Tampa Bay home game, I believe. So you got the Tampa Bay soundtracks or the the uh, music from the Tampa Bay arena and, and okay. the fans. So they would, they would uh, boo when Dallas would have it or the other team would have it. Really? They would have the cheering from the sound. So it's it's been very creative, uh, very unique in that. But at the end of the game, I, I think the product on the ice has been amazing. For me personally, Scott, I love to hear the purity of the game. You can hear the 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 blades when they hit the ice when they're pushing yeah. off. Uh, the sounds of the guys hitting the boards or the puck going through the air. You, you can hear all that crystal clear because there's not twenty thousand people talking, so you don't hear everything. You can your uh, senses are are widening. The the hearing part of the game is to me is just as interesting as the visual part of the game. Well, for sure. Now, can you hear the guys chirping each other? You can hear chirping. You can hear the refs talking to to the players. You can hear the coaches talking or yelling. It's you can hear everything, and it's That's... it's it's really the essence of what the game is without without the fans. I can I I would love to experience that. I, I always delight that whenever you get an opportunity to sit low and you and you see and hear different things. So that'd be very cool. Now, Phil, you said. Uh, uh, they have for its Tampa soundtrack so that they're booing Dallas. So it would stand to reason that they're going to pipe in fan noise when whomever wins the cup. Um, do you think that they will pipe in pe- the fans booing Gary Bettman when he comes out to pre- present the cup? <laughs> you know what? That's a good question. I, I, I don't know that. Uh, I mean, I, I think for the commissioner now, he has, uh, he has got accustomed to that. I think, though, for a lot of fans, they're not even sure why they are booing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what Commissioner Bettman has done for hockey in Canada, I, I don't think people realize how much it is. It's the American dollar compared to the Canadian dollar is a big difference. And because of the uh, salary cap and the revenue sharing and all that, it, it's. I think it's helped the Canadian teams. And I, I don't think every hockey fan in Canada realizes that. We might not have the cities we have in the NHL, if it wasn't for his, uh, his forward thinking and the way they work together with the PA on creating the salary cap. Well, there you go. Good for commissioner Gary Batman. Um, now, so, so whenever the cup, the cup is won, have you talked about with the, with the folks at the NHL? Um, okay. For, for everybody out there, once the cups won, uh, Phil with, with a couple of, uh, of guys that work with him will go basically throughout the summer and every player on the team and, and uh, staff member of the hockey staff will have an opportunity to have at least a day with the cup, um, which is a really cool thing for people to, to win it. And it's a really cool thing to experience seeing, you know, a player plus his family and friends, how, how happy they are and, and uh, having the opportunity and the things that they do from visiting hospitals to, um, you know, having road hockey tournaments. It's, it's very cool what they all do. Phil, have you guys talked about how that might look afterward? Well, we've, uh, we've sat, obviously sat with the, the league office, their security people, the medical people, uh, and gone through how the possibility of a, a Stanley cup celebration would ha- could happen. I mean, first of all, as we know, it's not going to be in the summer, it's going to be in the fall. And it's going to be probably on a reduced 
timeline because the uh, 2020-21 season will currently is scheduled to start sometime in, in December, or early January. So that reduces their off season a lot uh, as they have training camp to go to and, and things like that as they get ready. So it, it could be only two months. So that, that really changes how the, uh, the Stanley Cup championship will do. Uh, depending on who wins, I mean, obviously we're going to fly back to that city, but because we are leaving Canada and going into either the state of Texas or the state of Florida, they have different rules and regulations that the province of Alberta has or the country of Canada has. So we obviously have to obey those regulations and that too. So it's, you think of COVID two months ago and last week, and who knows what it'll be like this week. So it's a, it's a fluid thing that's happening right now. We do yeah. know we're going to be a Stanley cup champion. Yeah. There's going to be a celebration. I, I think we're a bit premature to say exactly how it's going to be right now. Uh, as you know, hockey, the hockey world is very superstition and they don't like to talk a lot about what could happen if it happens in that. So there's a lot of the unknown. Uh, so I, I guess the best way to say we're, we're doing it day to day right now and, and seeing how it all goes. Arguably, they're in the safest place in North America right now. As soon as they leave and land back in Dallas or Tampa, their life is going to be different. So we have to take all of that into consideration. Those players are finely tuned athletes. They are healthy as can be. And COVID hopefully doesn't have a chance against athletes in that good of condition. The issue that everyone has to think about is their families and friends and things like that. Sure. So all of that is going to be taken into consideration. And we do have about a week probably or something that hopefully things will change. And obviously they're not going to change overnight, but we can get a better picture as we move forward. That's, that's, I didn't even thought of that with between the United States and Canada, you guys having to, like, you might have to go and stay in the States to do the guys in the States before you come that, that sounds like just a logistical nightmare to try and figure that out. So all the best doing that once, once this is done. <laughs> Thank you. When, when is the, the, the longest, like what, if there were a game seven, do you know that date off the top of your hand, head? Uh, James, game seven would be next Wednesday. Uh, I believe, is it the 28th or 30th? Uh, so game two tonight, game three is Friday, game four is Saturday, game six is Monday, and game seven is next Wednesday. Okay, so, so games, uh, what, three and four back-to-back? -back, that doesn't usually happen in a cup Correct. final. Yeah, they are back-to-back, -back, and that's to accommodate the television world and, and things like that as well. Got it, got it. Oh, Phil, um, you know, we're coming to a close at this uh, this podcast episode. This 33, 34 minutes has gone by so quick because, I, I again, I was very excited to get you on here. But uh, – um, you know, the, the cup's going to be one. You're going to have a, an interesting fall, depending on how that all works out and, and certainly traveling a lot, a lot more than you have been. Um, why do you think that, I know that you don't, you don't have a crystal ball, but what do you think things are going to look like? Uh, you know, are we ever going to get back to normal? Is the, is the NHL going to have full capacity people like a, a full house watching a hockey game in 2021? What do you, what are your thoughts on that? As well, you know what? I mean, yesterday was uh, 
NFL Sunday, traditional fall time Sunday. And you saw some of the, anyone that was watching saw some of the uh, fields that they were playing in. Each one is in a different state and each state has different rules in that. So some have a 10% capacity, some have a number capacity. And I'm sure hockey is watching football and probably all the sports are watching NFL right now to see how it goes, to see how the, uh, the fan situation turns out and the rules and regulations that they have to follow to, to, to beat this COVID. Uh, I know in European football right now, they have really reduced the size of fans at games as well. And it obviously has an impact on fans, but it has an impact financially as well. And both, uh, within the city also of the home city, not just within the arena or field, but the hotels and restaurants and stuff like that. So I, I think all everybody is watching everybody to see how it's going. And for everything, sports and not sports, we're all watching this COVID thing and to see how we can together beat it. Right on. Well, let's, let's, let's hope that that comes uh, sooner rather than later, but I, I think we're in for a little bit of, of, a, of a haul yet. Um, Phil, hey, I, Thank you. Uh, it is always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, uh, great to kind of get reconnected on this uh, formal podcast, but all the best to you and Diane and the family and uh, stay safe, healthy, and, and I'll look forward to seeing you down the road. Great, Scott. Say hi to Kelly and everybody. And thanks for having me and be safe. Okay, buddy. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. 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 While our doors are closed for the moment, we certainly still are working into the future. If you need anything, don't hesitate to shoot me an email at scott.north at tolive.com. That's S-C-O-T-T dot N-O-R-T-H at T-O-L-I-V-E dot com. Thank you very much for listening.